it well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson over. Thank you for tuning in to FBS podcast number four. Three and a half, four. Three and a half, four, whatever it is. In the immortal words of Mrs. Doubtfire, hello! Again, we're all back. It's me, Wayne, and Jesse. Hello. We're joined again by Dan Sullivan. Hey, how you doing, boys? Not too shabby, not too shabby. A couple things to get to in the podcast, and really big things to get to, mostly football. But before we really dive into that, there's something personal I wanted to take up, and that's a bone I have to pick with Jesse. See, this weekend, I mentioned, we were talking about our radio voices, and I mentioned that I happen to be quite the country singer, and Jesse responded with a gif of Pinocchio's nose growing. And I kind of took issue with that, and I said, you know what? I'm going to prove that I'm right, and he's wrong. Mom, throw on your headphones. So oh, so here we go. Dan, you're going to be the judge. I'm going to do a little snippet from Alan Jackson's Tall, Tall Trees, and you let me know whether or not I'm bad or good, no hard feelings. Oh, I'm ready for this. I feel like a judge on The Voice or something. Let's hit it. This is The Voice. So here we go. This is my best <laughs> shot. It's acapella, so you're going to have to bear with me, and I'm not sure what your input audio or whatever is going to be over there. But here we go. Alan Jackson, Tall, Tall Trees. Just the first voice, or first verse. If you want to buy a big limousine, I'll buy the longest one you ever seen. I'll buy a tall, tall trees and all the waters and the seas. I'm a fool, fool, fool for you. I mean, it wasn't bad. I'll tell you, I expected a lot worse. I'll, I'll give you that much, Wayne. I don't think you're winning any, any music deals. I don't think you're signing a deal this week or anything. But man, I'll tell you what, Jesse, you, you, you definitely undersold it. Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, That was definitely better than I anticipated. I think the last time I'd heard him sing, he totally butchered Steven Tyler when we were trying out the uh, the Armageddon song there. But uh, definitely better than I expected. So props to you, Wayne. Um, We are not worthy. It sounds better with music and uh, like a professional singing mic. I've sung at weddings and things like that. So I'm not an amateur. Let's just say that. Oh, no, certainly not. I mean, anytime you want to be a good country singer, as long as you can cry really well, then you've got a good country song. Hilarious bit. Actually, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but I did a whole comedy bit about how to sing like different country singers. And I said, if you want to sing like Tim McGraw, all you have to do is cry when you sing and you'll sound just like him. (laughs) And so the song I went to is if anybody knows, don't take the girl, you just picture somebody crying and he goes, Johnny's daddy is taking him fishing. He was eight years old. (laughs) So just crying while you're singing, you sound like Tim McGraw. Well, you literally have me dying on this end. <laughs> He's got our audio dying on this end. So uh, the first thing I wanted to get to is obviously the big story, coronavirus. The only story bigger than the NFL right now. I, I don't understand. So when the coronavirus came out, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And basically what ended up happening is they canceled preseason baseball. I was like, big deal, whatever. It's, you know, uh, exhibition games. Then they 
canceled some of the NBA regular season games. And I thought, what the hell's going on now? And then they canceled March Madness. And that was the biggest blow. Yeah, with March Madness, that's a ton of TV deal money. That is a lot of involvement that you're going to get from fans, from websites, and from TV stations. So um, once they uh, pulled the plug on that, I think you could really tell that it was going to be a, a huge deal. Since then, we've seen uh, a lot of things have to maneuver their schedules and push their dates back. So it's pretty crazy what we're seeing. I think it kind of just caught most everybody off guard on how fast it spreads and things like that. Um, I think we're all aware of, you know, the symptoms and the fears and and blah, blah, blah. But how it affected sports is just crazy. I mean, it just... I mean, kind of like the flu and the, and the virus itself, it just swept through and shut everything down. Almost in like a day or two, it was crazy. I mean, it makes sense. You can't have... You know, you can't put people in a situation that they're potentially going to get sick. But I mean, the the dollar amounts lost to not just the teams, but the cities in general is just probably uncalculatable. So I don't know. It's it's crazy, honestly. So what did you think about? I mean, for me, it was the March Madness. I mean, the billions and billions of dollars that that cost. What, what was your take on March Madness being canceled? I mean, it's arguably the busiest betting month of the year, you would say, or betting period of the year. I mean, the and, and even just casual fans that come out and bet, they bet those games far more than, you know, it's, it's essentially the Super Bowl for however long the tournament goes on. So that's obviously massive amounts of money lost on Vegas's front. And I mean, the endorsement deals and all these kids who now don't get it. Like think of people who like showed out in the tournament, took their team and did so well and then increased their draft stock because of it. You know, a lot of these kids don't have the chance to do that. I mean, this is, it's monumental. It's, it's absolutely monumental. A team like Dayton too. Like how fun would it have been to see a team like Dayton go up against a huge school and potentially win it? Like that would have been so much fun. And we just don't get to see that. It stinks for so many players for sure. Yeah. I mean, Dayton was going to be a number one seed how often are they gonna get the opportunity to be a number one seed yeah exactly it's crazy and then like i said the uh, masters gets canceled i know i'm a big golf guy and i watch the masters every year and i was shocked that that got moved and i thought are we just going to cancel all sports forever what if it was the super bowl would they do you guys think they would have canceled the super bowl i do I, I think, you know, you can't be the only uh, show at, at this point continuing to go. You're watching different sports and, and different, you know, different sports uh, start to stagger. You know, it's become a huge domino effect. The most uh, recent one for me was actually WrestleMania. I'm actually a pretty big wrestling fan. So to see them actually postpone slash cancel their event that was planned to happen down in, in Tampa Bay is huge. So that's the most recent thing I've seen to see it affect the Masters, to see it affect high school, collegiate, um, and all professional leagues all around the world it's insane to see the impact that it's had financially emotionally yeah i mean i agree that i don't know if this i mean the super bowl would have to be canceled i mean you almost have to cancel because you can't play not in front of fans and I, i mean honestly i don't know i would hate to see that happen thankfully there's not other than i mean march madness itself thankfully there's not a professional sport championship that's happening at this time I do think we'll get the NBA back and they'll figure out a way to fix that situation and get it so we can have a competitive playoff. I mean, it's nothing like we've ever seen personally, like I've ever seen just things just being cut and just stopped and just, there's just nothing happening. It's, it's just crazy to see. Yeah, time is definitely going by slow. You know, if my drive's home to work while I'm at work, I mean, I think we're seeing every aspect of our day-to-day start to become impacted. It's not just I can't turn on the TV and watch my sport. It's the flow of our day certainly being impacted. Some of our careers are being, you know, temporarily impacted. So it's definitely weird to kind of see time kind of stand still during this. It's it's raw for, for you know, people all around us. 
Well, I know one area that did not get affected by coronavirus, and that is NFL free agency, as the last two days have been absolute madness, and we're going to get into it, and I think that's pretty much going to be the entire show from here on out. Yeah, it was a bananas 48 hours, something that I think every year we see deals start spouting off, but you know maybe it's the players involved this year that just makes it seem so much different this year for me to see the amount of money being thrown around, the players exchanging teams, the deals being made, and the trades occurring so this has been an insane 48 hours thus far and we're just getting started baby yeah i mean as like you guys have both reiterated i mean it's just been absolutely bonkers the legal tampering phase is is honestly i think a really fun kind of phase in the in the nfl i mean the tags and the signings and the trades and the everything just happened bang 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 one after another you almost couldn't even keep up on your news feed you know i'm at the gym and i'm like in between sets and my buddy drops his phone and screams d hop just got traded to the cardinals and you know just the i mean it was nuts it was such a fun day i mean and then obviously today you know it was amazing and the greatest news of all time that Tom, the great man Brady is coming down to Tampa Bay just announced. I mean, that's, I mean, you just can't get a better day ever than that as a Buccaneer fan. I'm sorry, Jesse. You know, I know that hurts. I know that stings, but it's celebration time down here. And it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, it's such a fun two days. Yeah, it's, it's been real fun. Uh, it's been a good two days <laughs> and uh, uh, just, I'm just real happy for you, Dan. Um, I'm real happy for what you're going to have happen to your team. No, but for real, though, um, I never saw this happening. What a perfect storm for the the Bucks fan um, within our FBAS community and our podcast family to be gifted the greatest of all time. I can hear that music in the background, my friend. Are you playing Celebrate? Yeah, we're celebrating over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Tom. I don't know if that or if you guys are watching yeah, Wreck-It we're Ralph. Over here. <laughs> yeah, you watching Wreck-It Ralph right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're watching. We're 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 watching some celebration by the Cooling Gang, man. I mean, we're really like I'm I'm legit out of my mind celebrating this. I, it's it's something that you. I mean, personally, like you know, I'm a Tampa Bay fan. I've been one since. I mean, as long as I can remember, I've grown up here my entire life. Sitting in the old sombrero with the aluminum seats in Tampa Bay at one o'clock, like you're you're literally burning your thighs like i mean i put up with some times here with this franchise and i I know our reputation and so to see a player like tom brady his caliber come down here was honestly shocking surprising i knew we were a dark horse but i did not expect it whatsoever to actually see it happen when adam scheffner came out with that tweet i about fell out I mean, I'm just really excited. I think it's going to be a really, really, really fun two years. You know, he got his $30 million. You know, that's what he wanted. It tax-free, too, essentially. You know, no state tax down here. So, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to the season and see what can see what we can do. I think the big thing, too, a lot of things came out about Brady and his demands, and he wanted roster control. And I don't know how much of that he got, but I know one of the things that he did get is they talked about he wanted a coach that would work with him. And Belichick certainly was never going to do that. But I think Arians does seem like more of a player's coach that will let Tom kind of give him a long, long, long leash. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's probably not a more player-friendly coach in the league than Bruce Arians. If you talk to former players and things like that, they'll concur. Like, they love the guy. They, they talk about him like a father. And Like, you know, I mean, he has this great energy. I can't remember who the quote was, and it's driving me nuts, but I remember Tampa Bay Buccaneer players said he, he met him and he was shocked he was white. Like, I mean, it's just so funny. He has just that kind of charisma and swag and things like that. I think it's the total opposite of what Hugo Belichick is. So I think that's maybe where Tom Brady was going with that. And I don't think Jason Light's going to be the type of GM that stomps his foot and claims this is my team to Tom Brady. So he's probably going to have some roster control there as well. 
I mean, honestly, it's a really probably set sound young team. I, I know our secondary is a little rough, but, you know, we've got three second round picks ready to come up on, on that secondary from last year. Carlton Davis played really well down the stretch. Sean Bunting Murphy played really well down the stretch. I think we're thin at safety, but JPP getting re-signed and Shaq Barrett, you know, getting franchised. So we've still got those pressures coming off the edge. They both ranked top eight in pressures in the last eight games of the season, which are the only eight games that JPP played. So that's the only sample we have. So, you know, I'm just really obviously excited for what's about to happen in Tampa Bay. So the first thing I'd like to say is to kind of dovetail off of what Wayne asked about the leash that Bruce Arians would provide. Uh, he let Jameis Winston do a lot of stuff. So I think the leash is, is quite long. I'm not saying you know Jameis and Tom are the same player but that leash was long and then going off of where you just let us stand does Tom have some weapons on offense is he gonna have some toys to play with I mean I think those are pretty known I mean Chris Godwin is obviously a freak of nature Mike Evans is up there with the upper echelon both of them you could argue are, are top seven eight receivers at worst they're both top 10 OJ Howard has talent coming out the wazoo you know he was a seventh overall pick from Alabama I think we're a little weak at, at running back a lot of people are higher in Ronald Jones maybe than I am or, or they're not high on Ronald Jones at all but he still has got some sneaky talent I think we'll upgrade there in the draft anyway because we still have the 14th overall pick you know we still got a, a mid-tier second round pick you know I'm I, again I'm just can't be more excited for our future right now I think what it means too in terms of fantasy football you brought up some of the weapons and the guy I would say that you could get in a very late round who had an atrocious season this past year but Given Tom Brady's affinity for tight ends, I think O.J. Howard could be a steal of most fantasy football drafts. I would honestly argue Cameron Brait may be the better pick out of that team. I know O.J. Howard's going to get the targets and everything, but Cameron Brait may get a ton of looks coming out of the red zone. He was already a guy that, that got a bunch of touchdowns. But yeah, of course, I mean, I forgot to even mention him in the weapons pot, but both of those tight ends are just going to obviously see a huge uptick in the fantasy swing. I mean, Tom certainly has experience with the two tight end sets, so I'm sure he'll find a way to give both those boys some touchdown dance time. I'm mad. I'm excited. Happy for you, Dan. I mean, I, ho I hope you're shaking in happiness like I'm shaking in anger. <laughs> it's not even anger. It's, 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 it's sadness. It's emotion. Um, I'm not even going to describe the emotion. It's just, it's emotion. You know, I'm so happy for the time Tom gave the Patriots. Um, it's just, it's tough, certainly tough to see an icon, a legend like that, you know, don another uniform, but certainly happy that it's going to a guy uh, or to a franchise that, you know, a buddy of mine roots for so hard. So happy for you, Dan. Thank you very much. And and I, I understand this song, but I mean, to be fair, you got his best years. You know, we're getting two of his hopefully not down years, but you know, you, you got the best you got. I mean, you're arguably the greatest dynasty of all time. So I mean the fact that I'm so happy with taking a scrap should just kind of say how great the guy is, honestly. Who wins the ring sooner? Tom or or Bill? I think Tom. <laughs> It could be Tom. I, I don't know if Bill's set up to win a championship per se, but I will touch on something I was excited about, and we did touch on it a little bit in the group chat, is I'm excited to see Jared Stidham as the starting quarterback. I really thought he needed another year as a backup, but they're going to throw him into the fire a little bit early. I just think from what I saw from him last year, I thought this guy looked really, really good. And seeing some of the reports of people saying he was the steal of the draft, I mean, like a former Patriots scout said this guy should have been a second round pick. I didn't see enough of him to really have a great conclusion on him. 
Um, he's certainly still young and has a lot of potential. We haven't seen the Patriots make any signings or trades regarding the quarterback position yet, and there's been a lot of movement as we're going to get to. So I think that speaks volumes to how Belichick and the organization feel about Jarrett Siddham. Uh, I guess excited and anxious uh, to see how the rest of this offseason plays out and to see how he takes the, uh, the reins, uh, uh, how he handles those opportunities that are provided to him. Yeah, uh, I'm a big, big, big Stidham fan. I, I was when he came out. I thought he was out, out of the guys who weren't picked in the top five or whatever. When all said and done, I, I thought Jared Stidham may be the best out of them all. He just just seemed like he was a pro-ready quarterback. I do think he needs more time to develop, and I do think New England goes after somebody like Andy Dalton or like a, a lower-level, mid-tier kind of a starter who may can win, the, win them some games. Because I don't know if you can throw Stidham out right away, but I do think he's got a future with the franchise. And honestly, if I was a Patriots fan, I wouldn't be like, oh, bummer we got Stidham. I'd be pretty excited with Jared Stidham as my as my franchise yeah it's it's the mix of the you know the a fear of a lot of the unknown as well as nobody likes change and and this is I think the hardest change that any New England fans have to gone through I mean we we saw the end of Bird but I think anybody that places Bird higher in the the New England Mount Rushmore is uh you know drinking green Kool-Aid right now so I think it's tough to see a transition at quarterback and a transition in uh, the number one sport in the country for our team here um, and like I said a fear of the unknown we just don't know enough about Stidham to uh, feel super confident yet but at least not as much as Wayne yeah, I honestly, I saw a picture today that mentioned you guys lost Mookie Betts and Tom Brady in the same offseason, which I didn't really think about. But man, as a, as a New England kind of Boston area fan, that's got to sting for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, two icons. Like, I mean, I don't want to say icons because, you know, Mookie won an MVP and he was very good for the team, but he certainly didn't have the impact in the area yeah, that Belt, uh, or that Brady had. But yeah, I mean, to lose two guys of that stature, you know, within a, a calendar year is painful for, for a sports junkie like me. I think it would be kind of like losing Brady and David Ortiz in the same year. Oh, that hurts worse. I don't even want to think about, you know, that happening at the same time. But, you know, Ortiz, you know, was able to have, you know, a, a nice retirement and he seemed to get a gift wherever he went. So <laughs> a little different how baseball treats it. Uh, sticking with quarterbacks, I know the first domino that fell this past weekend was Ryan Tannehill getting four years and $118 million from the Titans, which then let Patriots fans have a little bit of hope, like, oh, he's not going to the Titans, maybe he's staying. Uh, unfortunately, no. What do you guys think about Ryan Tannehill getting almost $30 million a year for four years? It's a lot of money for uh, white Lamar Jackson, you know, guy drafted Texas A&M who had a uh, much less time at quarterback than he had at receiver. Had a very difficult time in Miami under Adam Gase, who is one of the weirder head coaches I've ever seen. And, you know, really struggled with the Miami franchise for a while. So it's nice that he got a chance and, and gave them a strong playoff push. I'm not sure if it commanded this type of contract, but I guess in this day and age, it's, you know, pay your guy or start over. Um, you're not going to, you know, get into the playoffs or win any of those playoff games if you don't have an established guy that works for your team. And I think what we saw is he works for that team they franchised a player that they have at running back and they have the commitment to ryan Tannehill. so i think they are certainly committed to moving forward and getting back to the playoffs so i think if they wanted to get worse they could have stayed with Mariota. instead they saw something real special with Tannehill. so i think the money's a little pricey but uh it's uh in this day and age is what you got to do to uh, keep the guy that fits your team 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I kind of think it was a deal that had to happen. It sounds like a lot of money, $29.5 million for Ryan Tannehill. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Jesse, he just fits what that team does so well. He's not going to play outside of himself and try and do too much. You know, like you said, they franchised Derrick Henry. This team's committed to run the football. They re-signed Dennis Kelly to a three-year, $21 million deal. You know, this team's committed to still doing what they're doing, be physical at the line of scrimmage, pound the football play action and Ryan Tannehill runs that offense perfectly. So it's kind of like just said, you either pay your guy or you see him walk and start over with an unknown. I'd rather just pay my guy and to get him under 30 mil, I know it's 29 and a half, but to get him under 30 mil is kind of a bargain in this day and age with the new CBA. We may, may talk about it later, but the salary cap's going to go up. So, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the deal. I think it's a lot of money, but I don't hate the deal given the situation. I think my only concern if I was a Titans fan is I watched Ryan Tannehill from his rookie year on, and I remember he had that really great season right before he got his big contract with the Dolphins, and he thought, this guy's going to be a franchise quarterback. And then from that point on, he just sucked. So now he has a really good year, gets the big contract. Is history going to repeat itself? I certainly hope not. you got a different coach, a different organization, and a different team surrounding him. I think this team has more hope. I think that his first taste of uh, you know the playoffs in Tennessee, hopefully that motivates him. I don't think that he's going to do that, but he certainly wouldn't be the first player to get a taste of um, a huge contract and then start a real heavy decline. I'm going to actually have to agree. I don't think he's going to revert back. I mean, Adam Gase is a quarterback killer. It looks like he's just that guy. He really is just a bad coach. It looks like he, he forces quarterbacks to do something that they can't do and play to his, his system, and that's not what you can do at the quarterback position. You have to play to your quarterback strengths to be a good winning football team, in my opinion, and that's exactly what the Titans do with Ryan Tannehill. That's why I just think it's the perfect fit. Again, he had that flash of a franchise player, and so who knows? Maybe he he's kind of just found his system found his niche and he can expand on his role in this offense so you know they've got a good team set up you know they should be back into the playoffs so I'm excited to see what he can do I think it does a lot for you when you have a coach that believes in you and Mike Vrabel certainly seems to believe in his offense and in and his team more than I saw Gase believe in Tannehill at all I had this is the the biggest story Besides that, or kind of going down the list, speaking of franchises that don't believe in their quarterbacks, the Carolina Panthers kick Cam Newton out the door. They say, hey, uh, go ahead and get your trade, or we're going to cut you, or whatever it is. And they sign Teddy Bridgewater at the same time. And I'm not going to try to crap on Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't want to try to make this anything about him, but Cam Newton, I was surprised at just how little respect he had on the way out. Yeah, it seemed like once he got injured, he seemed to uh, be an afterthought for sure. And for a guy that was setting franchise records and NFL records for the amount of yards he was putting in on the ground and the air, the guy was a physical freak. It's like giving uh, a linebacker a semi-accurate arm, certainly a hard thrower. But uh, the guy is uh, gifted, and I think beyond the injury, I don't think we've seen the last of really good Cam Newton play. And I believe it was just not too long ago uh, we had a discussion about how you know Matt Rule came in and had some really nice things to say and how he was open to working with Cam Newton. So how fast things can change once the uh, legal tampering period begins. Yeah, I think it was odd how they handled the situation too. He was asked a question during the draft time, Matt Rule was, if they were going to roll with Cam Newton. And he said he was going to roll with Cam Newton as his quarterback at the time. And and I know like, you know, things change and things like that and blah, blah, blah. But man, just come out and say you're, you know, you're not fully committed to the guy if you're not. And then to come out and, you know, say we give Cam the permission he wanted. And, you know, Cam apparently never wanted permission and wanted to stay with the Panthers. And I don't know. It just seems a weird breakup. I mean, you know, it's the business of the NFL and I get it but you would think a you know a franchise player like Cam Newton would get treated better but you know again it's a business and it's about making money and so 
you know, if the guy's out the door, he's out the door. On to the next one. Throw, throwing it right back at you, Dan. Uh, who are Cam Newton's suitors? You think at at this point in the the uh, NFL offseason, where we've seen some guys, you know, get get really paid, some guys left in the dust. Uh, where does Cam Newton find a home? I mean, I'd have to look deeper, but I think Chicago still makes a ton of sense. I think they'd really love for him to come in and push Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if New England makes the most sense. Uh, obviously, there's a huge need there, and he's a guy who can step in and play and give them a chance to win right away. I don't know how his personality would mesh with Bill Belichick. I don't think they would get along great there. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. There's not too many teams that are now desperate. I guess the Chargers, too, obviously seem like a natural fit. They have a glaring need, and they lost the Tom Brady sweepstakes. So it would probably be those three teams. With my biggest, I'd put my money on Chicago. I would say. Wayne, what are your thoughts on where Cam could find a new home? If I was me and I'm waving the magic wand and just the ideal situation, to me, he's a more athletic version of Ben Roethlisberger, so I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the Steelers as kind of a contingency plan. I don't hate the idea of that at all. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't know how how he would feel necessarily sitting behind Ben Roethlisberger waiting, but I, I, I don't hate the situation for sure for the franchise. Yeah, and I don't think he'd be waiting too long. I, I don't know if Ben's got it, so I think it really gives him the opportunity to be a starting quarterback for a franchise that's always competing for a playoff. Yeah, it's a good fit. Tied to Cam Newton, again, we mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. The thing that surprised me about the deal with him is three years and $60 million. I thought he would get more than 20 annual value for sure. Oh, I agree completely. I think the big thing with that, too, is the the salary cap, like I mentioned before. I saw another player did the same thing. He got a short three-year deal. Uh, uh, Jack Conklin did the same thing. Short three-year deal, so then when the, when the salary cap goes up in three years, boom, he's on the market again, ready to go. I think Teddy Bridgewater thought the same thing, kind of said, okay, I'll, I'll take the 20 mil this year if that's what I'm going to get, be put in a good situation, I'll prove it, and then come three years and that salary cap jumps 50 million, I'll be ready to go and catch in on my deal. No disrespect to Teddy at all, but I think it's just crazy how, you know, I had him and Cam's positions pretty much swapped. You know, I had Teddy looking to fight for his starting position on a new team. Um, instead, you know, you've got him signing with Carolina, and it's looked like he's going to be that guy from, from day one, unless they draft a guy real high, which, you know, I would be shocked. And now you've got Cam Newton on the outs looking for a home. And, you know, as Wayne said, and as you're saying, he may be the guy that pushes a, a young guy, which that's not the point of Cam Newton's career that I saw him at here and now. So a lot can change in 48 hours, and it's just been crazy so far. Yeah, the next quarterback on the list, Phillip Rivers, I had predicted he would go to the Colts. I know that Dan predicted it in our first quarterback roundtable that got deleted. But the thing that surprised me with Rivers' contract, not that he went to the Colts, but it was the one year. I was surprised. I thought he'd get two years for sure. Uh, to me, it was the location and, and not the length. I certainly feel like him, like some other quarterbacks, are on the, the downturn of his career. I think he's certainly looking at a Hall of Fame-ish resume. And so I was surprised that it was Indianapolis. I thought that they'd be pretty confident with Jacoby Brissett, but apparently there's still some moves to be made there with the Colts franchise. I had him pegged in, in our quarterback carousel to go to Miami, who still has yet to really address that quarterback position. But yeah, to see him sign with the Colts, I think that it's a nice fit. It's going to be such a weird year seeing all these different quarterbacks that stayed with franchises so long going to different teams. I thought it was very weird seeing Peyton go from the Colts to the Broncos. And I think going from the Powder Blues to the Colt Blues is going to be just as weird a transition with Phillip Rivers. He's so gosh darn awesome at this point. So uh, it'll be a fun uh, season so far. 
Yeah, there were rumblings that they were really interested in Philip Rivers to begin the offseason. So, you know, this isn't a huge shock, but it is a shock to just see him in a different spot, like you said. I actually think this makes the Colts one of the top AFC favorites, to be honest with you. That offensive line and, and that defense there, and I think they are a really good football team. I think Philip Rivers can come in there and honestly win 12 games and push for a high playoff spot. So I like the deal for him. The one-year deal, I think, is more on both sides. I think he obviously wanted more than 25. I don't think he was getting it on the market. But he said, you know what, I'll take the one-year 25 and prove it, maybe get a one-year 32 next year, you know. And on Indianapolis' side, it's, hey, we only want to give you one year and see what you can do kind of thing. But yeah, man, it's going to be really weird seeing him play against the Col- or, or against the Chargers at some point in time. That's going to be odd. Now, Dak Prescott gets the franchise tag. I don't think any of us were surprised with that. I do think that you know he hasn't signed that tender. I do think the Cowboys are going to trade him before the draft. Yeah, the uh, Dak to the Dolphins proposition that you brought up uh, most recently, Wayne, doesn't sound so far-fetched now. I think if Dak and the Cowboys continue to have a contentious relationship, we could see Prescott go ahead and, and lead the Dolphins offense and help kind of maybe uh, expedite the growth of that franchise under Brian Flores. So that would still be a very fun move, whether he ends up there or elsewhere. Maybe the Chargers, I think you may have also brought that up recently. So there are still some options out there for him. I still think he's a very good quarterback. I think he'd be um, making a mistake to leave Dallas, though, along with uh, Amari Cooper and uh, Zeke Elliott. I think they have just a super solid team. I mean, yeah, we weren't shocked to see the franchise tag. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to see him traded either. I think he holds out. I don't think he has any plans on playing under the franchise tag. And he can force Dallas's hand at that point. I mean, Dallas can't go into the season with, is there backup Cooper Rush? I think, like, I mean, you can't go into the season as the Dallas Cowboys with the team you have built with Cooper Rush as your quarterback. So they're going to have to figure it out. And I think it's just going to get messy and they're going to move him. So as crazy as it sounded a week ago, I do think Miami makes a ton of sense. They haven't made the kind of the splash at quarterback. And obviously the Chargers may get pretty desperate and they may give up a lot since they lost the Tom Brady race. So who knows? It's definitely going to get interesting. Now that you mentioned that, Dan, I can't honestly remember the last time a quarterback held out. You know, I think you see it with skill position players, either running back or receiver, a good deal. But I can't remember the last time I've seen a quarterback, someone who's so vital and not as easily replaceable, hold out um, in an NFL offseason. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think Cousins held out when he was on his tag. But yeah, I mean, I can't. I think the last one was Jamarcus Russell, but that wasn't even he held out. He just wasn't playing under his rookie deal for that while. I mean, I don't, I can't think of the last time a quarterback did, but they usually get paid. So to be fair. Yeah, I know that with him being traded, I think that the Chargers definitely seems like more of a reasonable destination now that the Miami Dolphins have spent so much money in the last couple of days. I don't know if they can afford a $35 million cap hit with Dak Prescott. So I think the Chargers would be a better fit maybe for that number six pick. That's a good point, Wayne, and especially with the draft capital that the Dolphins have both this year and next year, they're in no rush, like we've mentioned in the previous podcast. They can take their time and and really make sure they're getting the right guy, whether it's via free agency or the draft. Yeah, no, I agree. They did spend a ton of money, but to be fair, they had a ton of money. I think right now they're still at around $50 million, to be fair. So they could probably make the, the deal work if they really wanted to. Yeah, it looks like they're still at $56 million, So I think they could make the deal work if they wanted to. Although, like, you know, it'd be a stretch. I do think Los Angeles is the is the more fitting spot. I think they're more willing to panic and trade the hall than Miami would be. Do any of us three see him actually playing another game for the Cowboys? 
I think there's a chance. I just don't know how big of a chance. If you were to ask me to bet my mortgage, uh, I'd probably bet that he doesn't play for the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, unless Jerry Jones comes out and, you know, the threat of the holdout really does push him to give him the, the 35, 36 mil, whatever the crazy number he wants. I don't know if I see Jerry Buckland. See, I don't know if I'd bet this at all. That's how unsure I am. But I think that's telling that I'm pretty, I, I don't know if he'll play another game. I thought you were a gambling man, Dan. I am, but only on things I like to gamble. I like it when everything comes together, so kind of looping back around. I think the Cowboys are like the New York Yankees. I don't think they're a team that goes into a rebuilding mode, at least not very often. So I think if they do move Dak Prescott, even for that sixth pick, I don't think they take a quarterback necessarily. I think maybe Cam Newton to the Cowboys at that point is a starter. I think Cam Newton to the Cowboys is something that I see uh, much quicker than I see him playing for the Steelers or the Patriots. I think the Cowboys is a franchise, and Jerry Jones is an owner that could certainly put up with a guy who has the character and personality that Cam Newton has. And, and I think he would certainly love to have that star on his chest, almost uh, like that Superman emblem. I would absolutely love that. Honestly, I think that would be a, a tremendous fit. I think it would be a resurgence in Cam's career, honestly, because he wouldn't have to shoulder the kind of load he shouldered in Carolina. Uh, Dak, I mean, Zeke obviously is the workhorse of that franchise, and they're going to run him till he dies. So, I mean, I think that would be a tremendous fit, honestly. And it and saves you probably $14 million, too. So, I mean, I think it's a great idea. The next guy I had was uh, Cousins, who renegotiates his contract, but to me that's boring, so I was just going to skip over it and get to Mariota to the Raiders and see what you guys said. Yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, something. I, I didn't know that they were that much of in a rush to uh, have some competition for Derek Carr, so Carr and Mariota will certainly push each other. I trust what Mayock is doing more so than I trust John Gruden as a coach. I'm sorry if that offends you, Tampa Bay fan, but... I really like Mike Mayock as a personnel guy, as an evaluator, and I think that if he sees something in Mariota, then uh, we'll see some more life out of the Las Vegas Raiders this offseason or this season than we saw in seasons past. I mean, if you go back to the draft where Mariota was taken, Mike Mayock had him ranked as his number one overall player, so it's really no surprise that Mike Mayock loved the guy and wanted him into his team. And John Gruden loves collecting quarterback, so it's kind of a perfect fit. I think he will push Derek Carr rather hard. I think my, I think uh, Mayock has an affinity for Mariota. I think he wants him to succeed. And I actually think he kind of fits what John Gruden wants to do in his offense more than what Derek Carr can do. So I don't see Derek Carr being moved, but I do think he may lose his job and then at the end of this season may see him find a new home. At season's end, who has more games played this year, Mariota or Derek Carr? I think Mariota. I think that's fair because I think, like he said, Mayock has a love affair with him. And I think that he's the guy he wants to come in as a starter. I don't think Mayock is bringing him in to push Derek Carr. I think he's expecting Derek Carr to push Mariota. That's fair. And I do agree. I think that Mariota will end up with more games played and wins than uh, Derek Carr did with the Las Vegas Raiders. And then the last bit of quarterback news that I had written down here that had me doing the Mick Jagger rooster walk when I saw it was that the Bears were talking about possibly trading for Nick Foles, and that was my quarterback carousel pick. I guess I should do a little bit of a jig as well, since you also have the rumor uh, or potential of Andy Dalton going to the Bears, and I said that his hair and that uniform with the burnt orange is a perfect match. So we can both dance at the thought of, I think those are more realistic options to push Mitchell Trubisky uh, more so than Cam Newton going to Chicago. But yeah, it's certainly not as tantalizing as the top of our quarterback news. 
Yeah, I mean, again, Foles' contract number is so rough to deal with, and I think it'd be tough to move him. Again, I'm a big fan of Andy Dalton, kind of no matter where he goes, because I think he's going to take on the role of kind of vet quarterback. I'm here to do my role and help the young guy and, and do whatever I need to do. So I wouldn't hate either of them. Again, I think Foles' number is just a little rough to make a deal happen. But, I mean, it sounds like it's got some some smoke to the fire. If it was Dalton, I guess he would follow in the footsteps. If you think about a former Cincinnati starting quarterback that went on to probably be the best backup in the league for a lot of years was uh, Kitna. Oh, John yeah, Kitna. Sure. Yeah. Other big news, this is getting away from, obviously, the quarterbacks and everything that happened with them. I had the number one big news, and this is right up there with the Tom Brady news, I thought, was DeAndre Hopkins getting traded for, you know, uh, Johnson. I always get the name wrong. David Johnson. David yeah. Johnson. I don't know why I always, I always think David something. Anyways, David Johnson, and uh, was it a second-round pick they get, or a fourth-round pick or something? A bag of peanuts. It wasn't enough, <laughs> Wayne. Uh, this this trade came out of nowhere. I did not see a guy like DeAndre Hopkins being moved. This is easily a top three receiver in the NFL and has been for several years. Really unfortunate that he's had to play under Bill O'Brien and, and for that Texans franchise that does so, so bad. But this, like I said, came out of nowhere. I didn't get a weight or a phone dropped on me like Dan, um, but it was shocking to see that this was the move that started the dominoes. It just doesn't make any kind of sense whatsoever. I can't understand how uh, how a franchise can make this move and think it makes sense to them. I understand they don't have a top 50 pick in either of the next two drafts. And as a team, like, that gets kind of scary. But, like, you traded your farm away for Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You don't go do it again and trade your cornerstone player for literally a bag of peanuts. David Johnson had one solid season, one solid season, and then has been an injury-riddled mess for a long, long time. I mean, I don't know what they can come away with this as a win. When I first heard it, I said, oh, okay, they got number eight. That makes sense. To think they got out of there with only giving up their second round pick and they still have eight and then it's just mind-boggling to me like i i don't understand it the guy had 345 rushing yards last year like what is happening yeah david david johnson is certainly not the athletic uh, offensive playmaker that he was several years ago he's not catching as many passes or making as much of an impact so to get that type of return i was just so shocked a that he was moved and b what he was moved for so for this to be just the, the tip of the iceberg and the trade and, and move that set us in motion for the nfl offseason i was really taken aback but hey this is bill o'brien the gm and he is setting the bar real low I would say the only reason I'm going to play devil's advocate here, because I think it's a bad trade as well, but I would say that you've got Hopkins had three years, $39 million left on his deal, none of it guaranteed. He just saw Cooper get $100 million, so he wants a new contract, and Deshaun Watson's coming up for a new contract as well, and maybe they said, we can't keep both of these guys, so let's get what we can for Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, business gets tough, but you certainly don't want to don't want that to be the return. It did not seem to be enough for a guy that's meant so much for that franchise. I think the only thing that would have been worse for that Texans franchise is if they traded J.J. Watt for like a Gatorade flavor. To not, you know, completely move on to the next topic without jumping. But if Stefan Diggs gets you a first rounder, how can DeAndre Hopkins not get you a first rounder? That's just what baffles me. Like, I understand that maybe the need to trade him. I get it. Again, like I said, no top 50 pick in this year or next year really does kind of cripple a franchise because depth is how a team is built. 
and again, to move a star where you may not be able to afford it, but I, I can't, I, I just can't see how this is justified. And I would think Buffalo would rather have Hopkins than Diggs. So it makes me wonder how many phone calls the Texans made. Very much like uh, when the Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo, they got a second round pick, and you thought to yourself, like, who else did you call? Did you make one phone call and make a deal? Because every other team was offering first. Yeah, it does seem very limited, very quick in terms of how they made that deal. Because I tell you right now, uh, I'm the Patriots and I have 23 and you could have had that to give me Hopkins. And I think that would have made the uh, Tampa Tom decision a little harder. I think any team in the league would have been happy giving up package that Arizona gave up for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, He's a phenomenal player. He, you know, he's got the nickname Nuke for a reason. He is a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, like you mentioned, I think it would have swayed the decision. I mean, Skip Bayless is Skip Bayless, and I would hate to even speak his name, but he came out with a tweet and said, apparently after Tom saw what happened with DeAndre Hopkins and how he got moved, saw Stefan Diggs get moved, and the Patriots not make any moves, he apparently immediately called and was like, hey, I'm out of here, I'm done. I spoke with Ryan Leith, a, a, a FBAS member, a little bit and a huge Buffalo fan about the Stefan Diggs deal. And he's not thrilled about grabbing Diggs, which I can understand. I don't think he kind of fits what that team does well. And I know he said he would have rather had DeAndre Hopkins for the same haul. And you would think the Texans would value the first rounder more than David Johnson in a second. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe they've got this crazy grade on David Johnson. And while the Cardinals may have underpaid for Hopkins, uh, I don't think that the value for that position is what Diggs brought in because I thought they overpaid for Diggs and Buffalo. I thought you could have gotten him for a lot less than that. Yeah, last year, uh, closer to the trade deadline, I thought that the Patriots could have gotten Diggs for you know a second, you know, maybe a third. So f- to see him go for a first was shocking, I, I think, especially when you look at it in relation to the huge name like DeAndre Hopkins get moved. And to kind of turn it um, a little bit away from the package and more to the options for Arizona, it's you know I think it's been noted um, in, in different reports that Arizona had the most five receiver sets in the entire NFL. So to add a guy like this to Cliff Kingsbury's offense is just going to be spectacular. You're going to see Kyler Murray have a lot of fun this year. Yeah, you mentioned fantasy impact, Wayne. That's going to be a huge fantasy impact all over the field, honestly. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't lose any value. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk probably go up in value. Kyler Murray obviously skyrockets in value. But get back to Diggs, I agree. You know, To give up 22 for Diggs is just, I think it's way, way, way too much. You know, uh, the second rounder would have made more sense for Diggs and the first for Hopkins, obviously. But hey, you know, maybe they saw that, you know, Hopkins went and they panicked on a receiver and said, hey, we got to get our guy. And they just went and paid for him. So I guess I would have to go directly to the Twitter timeline to see the relation in time between when Diggs made that jump to Buffalo and Brady making his decision to leave. I wonder if maybe Brady made his decision to leave and then the Buffalo franchise said, hey, let's make a bit of a reactionary decision, but a bit of a decision to command uh, the lead in this AFC East for the first time in easily two decades. You know, they they got real close last year to, I believe they even got into the playoffs with Josh Allen. So to go ahead and add a guy that, you know, maybe, you know, from some fans' perspective, doesn't fit the team perfectly, but to get a playmaker uh, like that, certainly not the caliber of the top receivers in the league, but he's a very, very good receiver i think maybe they're just trying to take advantage of the vulnerability in that division right now 
Um, yeah, I agree. I, I do think they're now trying to capitalize. The signing of the trade happened before Tom Brady announced his decision. But regardless, I think the Bills were heavy, heavy, heavy in the receiver market. I mean, Stephon Diggs is better than what they were going to get at 22, I guess. But at the same time, you know, I still think it's a ton to give up for the guy. Do you actually believe that in your heart, Dan, as a guy that loves the combine and, and loves these young receivers? We heard you touch on some over the last two weeks. Some of the listeners didn't get a chance to hear and some they did. With how much, you know, you spoke about the receivers that you we could see go in the first and second round. Do you truly believe that Diggs at this point and to that team is the best fit that Buffalo could have gotten? Again, I don't think he's the best fit. So what he does well is, you know, run routes. He's a really good route runner, and he needs kind of accurate balls. That's not really what Josh Allen does very well. You know, what they were going to get in the 22 range was maybe Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, guys like that who I think really good players. But, I mean, Stefan Diggs is a proven pro bowler. You know, he's a proven number one receiver, and I think that outweighs kind of a lot of potential in my opinion. What about the next one that I had here was the Colts trading the number 13 overall pick for Buckner. I was surprised that, I mean, I know he's a great defensive player, but I was surprised he went for that high of a pick. I was honestly more shocked that San Francisco even decided that they were going to move him. I thought that they had one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in all of the NFL. So to see them move such a a young athletic piece off of that line, it was going to have to be a high price. I'm surprised that the Colts felt like they could do that with certainly some holes left on their team. But making this trade and then giving him the payday that they did is impactful. It says a lot. I'm kind of excited to see how he does in the AFC South. He is a really big playmaker. So let's see how he does on a, a defense that could really, really use him. I mean, I think, honestly, I really think it was a kind of a great trade on both sides. I do think 13's a little high, but to be fair, Buckner's still, I mean, I think he turns 26 tomorrow or the day after or something. So he's still incredibly young. He's arguably one of the top defensive linemen in the whole league. He fits in that defense like a glove, as Ace Ventura would say, like a glove. I mean, it's just, it makes a ton of sense. Also, Eric Armstead was signed by the 49ers literally probably 30 minutes before this trade went down, and the team couldn't afford to pay both. So in their mind, I think they got a deal for Buckner that they were happy with, and they said, okay, we'll keep Armstead and roll with that, and then we'll move Buckner and get picked 13. And, I mean, what they can get at 13, I think, will help the team huge. I mean, I think Jerry Judy may be there. I think CeeDee Lamb may be there. You put either of those receivers on that team, and, I mean, that takes that offense over the top. I think it makes them extremely difficult to handle. So I I love it for both sides, honestly. Yeah, the strong getting stronger with the 49ers after that move. I was just going to say that, so you answered the question I was going to ask, which is who do the 49ers target at 13? And you're thinking a wide receiver? Uh, Wide receiver or Javon Kinlaw. I mean, I'm a huge Javon Kinlaw fan, huge, 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 huge Javon Kinlaw fan. And I think he would be an immediate replacement along that defensive line if that's the route they wanted to do. That's kind of the route they've shown they've done. I also think C.J. Henderson's in the conversation. He's clearly the number two corner in this class. He had an insanely good combine. He's really separated himself. And they've got a pretty big needed corner. You know, I think it's kind of just going to come down to who they value more and what they value more. But all three of them are hugely impactful players for that team. So like you said, Jesse, the rich just get richer. Amari Cooper gets five and 100. Is he worth uh, every penny of that? 
he, he certainly looked uh, like it during flashes of his time with the Raiders and also with his shorter stint with the Cowboys. I think that this may prove to be either a, a huge mistake or a huge gain for the Cowboys as far as how they manage their cap and the players they chose to spend on, because this is really going to drive the decision for Dak. Uh, I think if it weren't for them spending this money on Cooper, I don't think we're going to go a single episode without mentioning a great Alabama player, so this is great. But uh, I don't think that his decision to, I'm sorry, Jerry Jones's decision to pay Amari Cooper that money is going to end up flying in his face. It could, depending on uh, what happens with Dak. But I think that Amari Cooper is very good. It's still crazy to reflect on the money that uh, a lot of these players are getting. Do I think he's worth it? If you're watching a highlight reel, um, do I think he's worth it day to day? No, but the Cowboys are that team, you know, the NFL version of the Yankees that can certainly afford to spend on players. Yeah, I don't think he's worth $20 million, but I don't think any receiver's worth $20 million. I don't think that's a smart way to build a franchise. But to be fair, in the context, like Jesse said, that's just what players are getting nowadays. That's just what you're going to get. I mean, the injury bug thing, I don't really believe. I mean, people say he's missed games here and there. You know, he played 16 last year, 15 year before, 12, 14, 15. I'm okay with it, uh, his durability concerns. What he produces on the field is special and kind of something that that offense really, really, really needs. So I get it. Again, me personally, I wouldn't spend $20 million on a receiver, but I get why the Cowboys did, and I don't hate the signing. I was just going to say, Mark Cooper seems like the next guy in a line of diva, uh, you know, very flashy receivers for the Dallas Cowboys franchise. You think of Michael Irvin, you think of Terrell Owens. Who else am I thinking of here? Um, Des Bryant. I I think that team specializes in having flashy pass catchers um, that also like to uh, be in the news. So haven't seen as much from Quiet Cooper, but he kind of seems like he may be next in line as that very, very uh, flashy receiver. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I see that. He seems like a pretty humble guy. But, you know, if you want $20 million, you know, that speaks for itself. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I think his play is going to speak for itself. I was surprised to see that Austin Hooper with the four years, $44 million, 11 per year, everyone was like, wow, it's the biggest tight end contract. I thought Gronk got 10 and a half. So he was close, wasn't he? Certainly close. I'm shocked the Falcons let him go. I thought that they were going to hold on to Austin Hooper. He's a very, very fun and athletic, productive tight end. So I wanted, you know, our team to get involved. You know, again, our team being the Patriots for Wayne and I. I'm not shocked with the money he got. I think he was, you know, the next guy in line for that position. I think we saw, you know, Kittle and Kelsey, you know, put their um, impact on the game. And uh, a guy like Hooper is going to catch a lot of balls. Yeah, did you just mention Gronk and Hooper in the same sentence? Uh, just contract-wise, ability-wise, it's not even close. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, if your point is Hooper shouldn't be getting a contract near what Gronk should be getting, I guess I get the point. But, again, it's, it's a total different league. You know, people are getting paid so crazy amounts of money. Personally, I love it from a franchise perspective. Again, I'm going to say this a lot. It's going to be a repeated kind of uh, take for me because in situations like the Browns have, I think it fits really well where you got a young quarterback who's struggling. You get a big pass catching tight end who can take a lot of stress off of him. I, I think it's a really good fit and pair that obviously with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. And I mean, that's a really scary offense now. And if you've got the money to pay these guys, you know, I don't hate kind of overpaying them as a franchise. Personally, I wouldn't do it, but as a franchise, I get it. Wayne, what did this move do to your guy, David Njoku, the tight end who played for the Browns and who you thought could maybe be a really good fit for the Patriots? 
I had proposed a conditional fifth round pick for David Njoku from the Patriots. Basically, it's a fifth round pick. If he dresses for 12 games, it becomes a fourth round pick. And if he plays more than 65% of the snaps, it becomes a third round pick. So it's a conditional fifth with a couple of conditions. I was really hoping that would play out. But from what I understand, they're kind of hoping to do Njoku and Hooper is kind of like a Hernandez Gronk type deal. He's all about the uh, let me give these tight ends for the Browns some faint praise. Uh, you had actually already mentioned the uh, Eric Armstead deal the 49ers gave. So uh, again, another guy there who gets paid on the defensive line. They seem to make a first-round pick at D-line for you know four or five years in a row. You seem to think that they could potentially go down that road again if Kinlaw is there for them. So uh, good to see Armstead get paid. This certainly does explain why DeForest Buckner was expendable and that package that they got from him is huge um, with that 13th overall pick. Can you speak a little to Armstead finding a long-term home in San Francisco? I think he really found his stride when they kind of switched away from the 3-4 into the 4-3 a couple years ago, and he just really performs really extremely well there. I think he's a similar player to Forrest Buckner. You know, he's a pass-rushing defensive lineman or defensive interior lineman, and he just he uses his hands very well. He's, he's strong at the point of attack. You know, those guys are going to get paid a lot of money. So, I, I mean, I understand the signing completely. It makes a ton of sense. I'm curious, at $17 million per year, is that going to be more, less, or about the same as what Jadeveon Clowney gets? I would say he's going to be less. I think Clowney gets more than that. I'm actually surprised that Clowney hasn't signed anywhere yet. I thought that he'd be that first defensive player to you know make a splash somewhere, but I guess he's going to wait and really pick his spot and find a winner. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean every, I've seen a ton of rumblings about a couple teams. Uh, the Giants have come out and said I think they're really you know interested in him, but I haven't seen him being able to come away with a deal. But, I mean, it is pretty interesting he hasn't come out. I think he wants that crazy, crazy money, and I don't know if teams are going to be willing to pay him for that because, I mean, what he does well really doesn't translate to that kind of money. You know, he's more of a run stopper who can rush the passer, not really a pass rusher who stops the run so i i don't know if you know the market for those guys is going to be 20 million and i think that's what he wants so going through the some of the next news i had which really was probably the next big thing Kellis Campbell gets traded to the Ravens for a fifth round pick i wasn't surprised necessarily that he got traded i was surprised at how little of a return they got for him yeah, I mean, I expected him to get more for Calais Campbell. I, I know he's got a big contract number, which obviously makes it tough to move, but I still would think a player like that would get more. I mean, he is just a rock, and God, Baltimore is so good. I mean, Baltimore insanely improved. They also fleeced the Falcons, speak of the Baltimore Ravens trades, then they sent Hayden Hurst for a second rounder and somehow got away with that and didn't get arrested for robbery. They've just uh, had an incredible offseason. They also got Michael Brockers for three for 30, so only 10 mil a year for him. I, I mean, I love, love, love what the Ravens have done this offseason. That team has gotten considerably better, and they were already a great team. Yeah, Baltimore, to me, has always been one of the better run organizations don't love John Harbaugh but you know when Ozzie Newsom was there you know he always did a wonderful job of overseeing that franchise and making sure that they were ready to play well at, at the current time as well as move forward and have a great potential going forward so I think that that Ravens team has always been in good hands as far as player development and player movement I was just staring at these numbers that you know Bradbury gets three and 45 Fuller gets four and 40 Jones gets five and 82 Roby gets three and 36 I thought you know, at $13.5 a year, is Stefan Gilmore's contract the best bargain in the NFL? Hands down. 
Yeah, the guy that just won Defensive Player of the Year has balled out and been a silent assassin for the New England Patriots ever since they did something pretty uncharacteristic for them and Bill Belichick and made a big splash at the uh, cornerback position. So I would have to agree, Wayne. I think that Stefan Gilmore is um, one of the best bargains in all of sports right now when you consider the money being thrown around at you know former late round pick late first second third round picks as far as you know the cornerback position uh, I do remember Bradbury getting picked in in terms of trying to be a replacement for screaming Josh Norman Byron Jones an athletic freak out of UConn and I think that's a really awesome signing for the Dolphins going along with what Wayne was saying earlier with them just really opening up the wallet and, and making some huge splashes I think them and the Browns certainly won their Super Bowl here in March. Yeah, I mean, I mean, outside of players on rookie deals, you know, because they're obviously huge bargains, you know, those ones who have performed crazy, like Pat Mahomes and guys like that. Stefan Gilmore has to be the biggest bargain in the league. I mean, 13 million for the defensive player of the year, especially a quarterback is just insane to think. But yeah, some of these deals are, you know, they're just kind of, again, they're just kind of par for the course with what players are going to get. I actually kind of like James Bradbury a, a lot. I think he fits really well in the Giants system. I don't hate that signing for only 15 million a year or two. I honestly think that's kind of a bargain. Kendall Fuller going back to the Redskins, you know, it's just kind of an odd situation. But, you know, I, I don't hate it. 10 million a year is pretty cheap again. And then Byron Jones going to the Dolphins, I mean, that's just huge. And I did not expect it at all. They have the two highest paid corners in the entire league now with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And, I mean, arguably the two best starting quarterbacks and are, you know, starting quarterback tandem in the league now. They have certainly spent a ton of money to improve that defense, you know, getting Van Noy, getting a couple players that just really fit really well in there. I think it's insane to think that they have that much money tied up into one position, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, it looks like uh, the Dolphins also signed Shaq Lawson, uh, Emmanuel Ogba, so certainly making some improvements to uh, the defensive side of the ball, Jones being the uh, the guy with the, the most financial impact, and I think Van Noy, a guy that's coming from New England where Brian Flores had experience with him, and he's going to bring some of that playoff pedigree and some veteran leadership to uh, both the field and the locker room. So Miami making huge strides here um, as far as the player personnel goes here in March. I thought they way overpaid for some of these guys, particularly Van Noy at four and fifty-one. I thought that you know he was getting paid what he was worth. I would give the guy maybe five, six million a year. To me, he's just a role player that fits a certain scheme. I don't know if he's going to come in and be a playmaker for that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, I, this certainly is a guy who was a former first-round pick, um, and uh, I think Dan, uh, can you confirm or deny Kyle Van Noy uh, first or second-round pick? Um, where was he taken? Kyle Van Noy is a second round pick. Guys. Oh, I'm right again. So, so why, why does anyone even argue with me? I don't understand. <laughs> second round pick to the Lions. Waving my white flag over here. Uh, yeah, so I mean, he you know was was an early round guy. So I think he certainly has the potential. I think we get a, a little jaded here in New England when we see us take guys who have failed early on in their career and really make them stars. You know, he comes to mind a guy like Shane McClellan for the Bears, who you know really seemed to play well when he was put in certain spots with the Patriots, and then I haven't heard his name since. We haven't really, you didn't hear a lot about Kyle Van Noy before he got brought into uh, New England, and he seemed to really find some nice moments to shine. And I think in the NFL now, you just have to have a few good plays in the playoffs, and then you uh, you end up getting a big contract. I don't think it hurts that you know you see Van Noy go to a, a guy like Brian Flores, who maybe um, will pay him a little bit more and overvalue him because of the relationship they had previous. I think it's very like when you see Matt Patricia give Jamie Collins a decent size contract.
Kraft to leave New England and go play under him. I think those are two defensive coordinators that used to be in New England that are going to take guys that they know will fit with their scheme and that fit with the mindset um, and environment that they want to have in their locker rooms. I mean, I do think they, they overpaid greatly for Van Noy. I think it was that's very, very, very top of the line for his range. You know, I mean, Joe Schobert kind of, I think, went for less. Yeah, Joe Schobert went for, you know, 53 over five. So he went for, you know, almost three mil less a year. And I think he's a better player, honestly. I think the comfort fit had a lot to do with it. Van Noy and Brian Flores having, you know, the, the past history together. I also think Shaq Lawson was kind of a gross overpay. The guy hasn't produced at all. He's a former first-round pick that really hasn't produced, you know, to his talent level, what we thought his talent level was going to be. Now, I guess he's going to come in there and have a completely different role than what he was doing in Buffalo. You know, he's kind of going to play the, oh, my God, he's slipping my name. He just went to Detroit last year. Uh, He played defensive end for you guys. Oh, for the Patriots, went to Detroit. Oh, uh, Flowers. Yeah, Trey Flowers. Flowers, yeah. He's going to play the Trey Flowers role, uh, apparently, in Brian Flores' defense. So I think that'll play more to his strength because he's more of a power rusher. You know, I just don't think I'd have given him 10 mil a year, personally. I don't love those contracts. And, you know, when a franchise that underperforms also overpays, don't love that either. So, you know, we'll see where this team goes. I, I also think they grossly, grossly, horrifically overpaid for Eric Flowers. You as a Giant fan can attest to how awful Eric Flowers is, I think. And to give him what they did, I think was just terrible, terrible business move. I mean, he got 10 million a year. He got three for 30 with 20 million guaranteed. That's just insane to me that Eric Flowers gets that kind of money. So, I I mean, they had some good deals and they made some good moves, but I think they also kind of did some Dolphins things and made some kind of poor moves. Yeah, that is a very bad signing when you consider uh, Jack Conklin to the Browns. That deal uh, seemed to be uh, a lot more appropriate, I think, for both sides. Yeah, I, I like the Conklin to Browns deal quite a bit. I mean, they paid him like a left tackle, but I mean, that's what right tackles are going to get nowadays, like really, really good ones. So, I mean, he got three for 42, which, you know, for Jack Conklin, I think is a bargain. And again, like I said, he made his deal kind of short because he's hoping to get in on that CBA salary cap boost next time. So I, I put down you know, the tags. There wasn't a whole lot of surprise i think with dak prescott with you know derrick henry we knew he's gonna get tagged chris jones tooney the one that surprised me was leonard williams i was surprised that the giants decided to tag him i'd have to you know go a little further back on the timeline i was shocked the jets decided to move away from leonard williams he was a really fun draft pick out of usc that the jets took high so i was shocked that they decided to move away from him and to trade him across the locker room to the giants and so he's a very uh, young, fun player who I think still has a, a lot of room to grow and a lot of impact to have in the NFL. So not shocked to see them tag him. They don't really have many playmakers, if any at all, on the defensive side of the ball. They just signed Bradbury. So they're really looking to um, have as much of an impact as possible. So I'm not shocked by it. I think he deserves good money. I don't know if it's, um, what does the tag end up equating to? Is it top 10 money at the position? It'll depend on the tag, it, it, uh, but yeah, I, th- I believe it's top 10. He's going to get, I think it's around 14 mil. So yeah, so for a D lineman, I mean, that is a little bit high for a guy who maybe hasn't performed up to that caliber, but I still think it's a little early to uh, call it a day with Leonard Williams. I was more shocked that Kenyon Drake ended up getting the tag. for you know Again, speaking of a guy that went to Alabama, this guy's hopped around a little bit since he's been in the league, and um, this is probably the last guy I would have thought would have gotten franchise tagged at running back money. Uh, to be fair, he got transition tagged. To be fair. 
so his tag isn't kind of the the same tag. He's only getting tagged at eight and a half mil. It's not the top money. So it's not crazy, crazy. It's not like the regular other tags. And I misspoke. Uh, Leonard Williams is getting tagged at projectedly a projected 16 million, which for a player who doesn't really rush the passer all that well, I actually hate the number. I get they couldn't really afford to let him go and risk it, hit him in the open market. But I don't know. I just hate tagging him for that amount. I think they did really great in other parts of free agency. Getting Blake Martinez for three for 30, I think was a really, really great deal. David Mayo is a tremendously underrated linebacker who's essentially probably the only decent linebacker you had on your team. Uh, so to get him, 8.4 was solid. And then again, the James Bradbury deal was a really good deal for me. But the Leonard Williams tag, I just kind of hate. Beyond that, the tags kind of mostly made sense. Like you said, I didn't love the Joe Tooney tag because you can't tag I don't think you can specifically tag like a tackle. I think it goes down as just offensive lineman. So you have to pay him like full tackle money. So he's going to get around 15 million to play guard, which I think is crazy money. But, you know, again, I don't think the Patriots could afford for him to hit the open market. Overall, I think it kind of went as expected other than Leonard Williams. (laughs) Yeah, I think the fact that they, they being the Patriots, um, put that tag on Joe Tooney says a lot about how irreplaceable i guess that position can be via the draft and uh, free agency so getting a guy that means a lot to the left side of your offensive line in this important time of transition at quarterback i think it makes sense um it kind of came as a shock to me i thought that you know it was um sign tom brady uh, or bust you know you're gonna get him or you're going to um, let other players kind of walk especially a guy that is as impactful on the offensive side of the ball as joe tooney but um, I think it speaks volumes to how they feel about the transition and assisting a guy like Jarrett Stidham. I think it ends up being a good deal because I don't think he's going to get $15 million a year. I think that you know once they work out a long-term deal, that fifteen has to go towards the guaranteed money in that deal. But I think the annual value of the new contract they give him is probably going to be somewhere between 9 and 11 And I think he would have gotten more than that in the open market, so I think it was a good tag. Oh, I definitely think he gets more than that on the open market. So I, I agree there. I just, I mean, if he plays out the tag, it's, that's why I just, I hate offensive linemen tags, like I said, because you have to tag it as a group as a whole is how they take in the average. And they don't do it of just tackles, just guards, just centers. So sort of franchise a, a guard and tackle money is a little rough. But I, I do agree. Like if they get the contract down, that's fantastic. I did want to mention one guy that we didn't because I did want to get your guys' take knowing that I know you guys wanted him so badly. How bad did it hurt when Hunter Henry got tagged? Not as bad as Tom Brady going somewhere else, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's certain, it certainly pales in a comparison, Dick, but I think that, you know, seeing the tight end options dry up real quick, I think the top two on my radar were certainly Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, and those two, one got tagged and one got traded uh, to uh, the Browns. So I think seeing those two... Um, be dealt with rather quickly took some air out of the uh, the balloon for me knowing that oj howard isn't going to come and catch passes from tom brady in foxborough was sad but again nothing you know is going to compare on this day um, mark it on your calendars folks saint patty's day is the day that tom brady decided he was going to play for the tampa bay buccaneers I would have liked Hunter Henry, but it wasn't something that I was super dreaming about. Again, I'm a guy who I get hung up on people. I become obsessed, stalker-like, and I've been having my dreams about Njoku, so until that dies, that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have nightmares of how the Patriots could have had Brady and Nuke 
looking back at this deal um, and the relationship that Belichick and Bill O'Brien have, um, it would have been nice having uh, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and Tom Brady on the field together. But now I'm going to see neither in New England in 2020. Yeah, I mean, that would have been crazy if they would have given up their first and gotten DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you got to think that Brady stays, honestly, at that point. Obviously, today will go down in infamy for, infamy for me. I'll never forget it. Even no matter what turns out in, in the situation, I think it's it's crazy to think that Tom Brady's about to play for my franchise. I'm insanely excited. I can't wait to see. Who do you guys, if you had to pick a winner from the first two days of free agency, who would your winner be, Wayne? Oh, winner, winner. Um, I guess from what's going on the first two days probably the the cardinals because you get hopkins for almost nothing and i think that kyler murray i'm a huge huge kyler murray fan and i think that it's gonna be awesome to see him throw for 4500 yards next year uh i guess i would have to um i'm gonna go away from the obvious because i'm gonna let dan you take the obvious but mine is going to be uh the 49ers i think for a team that played so well last year. They did uh, some wonderful things in the last couple of days, like trading DeForest Buckner away and getting a top 15 pick, signing uh, Eric Armstead to a long-term deal that keep that defensive playmaker on their defensive line. So I think the 49ers, to me, are a team that uh, had a very strong hold on the top of the NFC before this week, and uh, they just made it even stronger after these last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the obvious winner here is Tampa Bay, not just for the Tom Brady signing. I, I mean, obviously, that makes a huge impact to get, you know, because you, 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 you want to take everything into account. To be able to franchise Shaq Barrett and get APP back, I think, was huge, especially at a cheap number. To not take my own kind of personal bias into, into play there, um, I absolutely love what the Cleveland Browns have done in this offseason so far. I know they went out and spent some money, but I think they spent it really, really wisely. Getting Jack Conklin, I think, was huge. Getting Austin Hooper, I think, was huge. And then, honestly, I think getting Case Keenum was a sneaky, sneaky good deal. I think he's a solid back. You mentioned John Kitna. Case Keenum could be, you know, this generation's uh, John Kitna. The guy's been, it feels like a backup everywhere, you know, started here and there. And and I think it's just a really good push for, for Baker Mayfield. So I think the Browns outside of getting Tom Brady would be my winner. But, you know, you can't discount getting the greatest of all time coming to your franchise. Uh, let me ask you, Dan, since you brought them up, uh, you brought up the Browns and they have a bevy of pass catchers on that team now when you think of the tight ends and their receivers. But I think one stands out as far as his personality and his being a diva and his irritability. So does uh, Odell Beckham Jr., continue his trek um, of being a flashy diva um, does he continue this season being on the Cleveland Browns I'll answer two parts for one yes I do think he continues his path of being a flashy diva for two I, I that's a tougher question to answer because I, I don't know if they can actually let him leave I don't know how that would play out for the franchise I think they figure things out this year in Cleveland, though. I really do. I think they just went in with the season with way too much hype. You know, they just got way too full of themselves and kind of played outside of who they are. 
I think if they, they really settle things down, Jack Conklin coming in is going to be really huge for that team. If they shore up the left side and, and do what everybody thinks they're going to do and pick a, a tackle in the draft also, man, that team gets really, really, really good, I think. So I don't, again, Odell Beckham is probably my least favorite player in the NFL right now, but uh, it's hard to deny his talent, but I hate him. I think, he, I mean, he's Antonio Brown Jr. Like, I, I just, I hate that kind of headache on my franchise if I was an, an owner. Wayne, do the Browns make the playoffs this year? I'm going to say yes, because I'm looking at that division and that. Uh, now they got seven teams now, right? So actually, maybe that starts next year. But I'd I'd say Browns make the playoffs. I thought they should have made it last year. I think that they choked down the stretch. I think Freddie Kitchens is one of the worst coaches in NFL history. So I think that you know having a decent coach there i think that the passing game now the browns are going to that route where they have a not an offensive coordinator they have like the passing coordinator and the running coordinator and the passing coordinator is chad o'shea is from the patriots who studied under mcdaniels and i thought that mayfield would be such a good quarterback for mcdaniels and this is kind of like diet mcdaniels is going to be the passing coordinator for the browns so i think that mayfield rebounds and the browns make the playoffs yeah, so you get the Browns making the playoffs as a, as a wild card because you have the Ravens winning that division, or do you have the Browns potentially winning that division? Potentially, yes, but small chance of, I'm just saying, make the playoffs. Yeah, and what about you, Dan? You see the Browns making the playoffs for the first time in forever? I think they win that division. Wow, that's bold. Yeah, I think I, don't, I, I, I see a regression from Baltimore this year. I'm going to be on the, the wrong side of Lamar Jackson, and I'm okay with that. I started it on the wrong side when I said he wasn't going to be a good quarterback, and I'm going to finish it on the wrong side until he does it again. I just, I'm, I'm never going to jump on a player who does things with his legs, not first, but with, with a lot of his legs at the quarterback position a team always figures it out. They, they always figure it out. NFL defenses are smart. Coaches are smart. They're going to figure it out, I think. And he's going to be forced to pass more. And until he does that, I'm not going to believe in it. Now, I say regress. I think they're going to go 9-7 and seven or something like that. I think they still make the, the, the new playoff format. But I just I, I don't see them winning that division. Wow, that's a sizzling take. And I hope that Eddie um, on FPAS, big Ravens fan, uh, Orioles fan, hopefully he gets to uh, hear that take and get after you, Dan. <laughs> bring it, Eddie. Bring it. I have a sizzling hot take, and that is this. With Tom Brady gone, the one positive I'm going to pull out of it, because Brady does have a reputation of being a little bit bit untrusting with his receivers particularly young receivers he plays favorites out there on the field I'm gonna say without Tom Brady there with Jarrett Stidham as your starting quarterback as of right now Nikhil Harry 1100 yards take the over what do you think betting Dan um I'll take that under right now if you want to Wayne we can take that bet right now oh put some push-ups on it boys (laughs) if 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 it's the under you got to send me a brand new Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey done if it's, if it's the over, I'll send you, what, a, a brand? Do you got a Saquon Barkley jersey yet? So why would I want a Saquon Barkley jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the Giants. Uh, I'll, send you, I'll send you a Nikhil Harry jersey then. How about that? Done. That's, the, that's a bet. That's the deal, boys. Yeah, okay, FBAS, you need to hold if these two accountable. If over 1100 I will send you a, a brand new spanking Nikhil Harry jersey. Perfect. I, mean, I don't see that happening. I don't. I can. I'd combine his next two years. I don't think he gets eleven hundred yards. Oh, take it where you take it. Uh, I, I think he's a superstar. I think <laughs> no, he's... I don't want that. I'm just saying that. I don't want that as a bet. I'm just saying I think that's like I don't. I don't see that yet from Nikhil Harry. 
I don't know, from what I saw from him, uh, not only in college, but seeing from his rookie year in spurts, when Brady would throw him the ball, he makes some ridiculously athletic catches, and I felt like Brady would give up on him too quickly, like maybe he'd run the wrong, wrong route, and you know how much that pisses him off, so you run the wrong route once, that's the last target you're going to get for the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I think that... Yeah, I don't um, disagree there. Yeah, he really struggled, and I think that um, he would probably have a better chance of having a high number of touchdowns and maybe a high number of receiving yards because of his height and his opportunities in the end zone, but I certainly see him having a better year this year than he had in the year past. I certainly see him improving year to year. I agree with you, Wayne. I think that Brady didn't make it the easiest for newer players or younger players, but it also didn't help that Belichick completely gave him um, a bevy of turds from the draft in most opportunities. I do think he wasn't you know, favored in that offense. And I do think his talent level is is exceeding of what he showed on the field. I mean, I think he only produced, produced barely over 100 yards last year. Now, granted, in, in seven games, only five starts. I just don't see the jump to 1,100 yards. If the bet were set at seven or 800, I'd be a lot more, okay, I could see that. I mean, 1,100 yards is a lot of yards, man. We're going to be watching pretty intently. I think a lot of FBS is going to watch this deal. I think we all just became Nikhil Harry fans. Well, I think that he, I'm, I'm all in on him, obviously. obviously. And I know he's a big, strong guy already. I think if he starts eating some of those Mike Trout Subway sandwiches, gets a little more muscle on him in one season, then uh, he'll be all set. The now BMTs, Italian BMTs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here, let me bring up my Nikhil Harry report from last year. Okay, so. Extremely long, extremely athletic, high points ball, best in the draft. So I had him as the best high pointer in the draft last year. Extremely difficult to bring down. Cons, poor route runner, poor route tree, doesn't get separation at top of route. So the three cons are kind of huge cons for me. I think separation at the top of routes is kind of key. However, if you're that big and strong, I think it can be learned and also adapted. But what you said is correct. I mean, the guy's a horse to bring down. He's going to be really tough to bring down. And he makes a lot of plays after the catch. So again, I see a, a great deal from him. I just don't see 1,100. It'll be, it'll be an interesting season if we have one. It'll be an interesting season. Good point. Good point, Dan. Uh, Corona seems <laughs> to be taking a lot of our sports away right now. So uh, we're waiting with bated breath. If it takes football, I'm going to burn this place down. All right. Well, that's all I got for. I don't know if you guys want to attack on anything that maybe we didn't touch on. No, um, that was uh, a lot of NFL news, and I'm excited to get this episode out. I know that with each episode, um, Wayne and Dan and I are doing what we can to improve content and the sound quality. I think that the content that we're able to put out has been fun, considering the lack of sports in the, uh, the world right now. Continue to uh, follow us, comment, listen, share. Um, we appreciate all of you out there in the FBS community who have given us a, a listen so far. And please continue to do so. Um, keep the conversations going and pick any of this apart, especially anything that Wayne Gregoire says. Yeah, I'm always on FBAS. I'm commenting, you know, debating on other people's posts. If you see me on there, don't debate with me because you're going to be wrong and you're going to look like a fool. But we do invite you to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it was honestly, I love this episode. I was looking forward to this episode, obviously, because of the last two days. You know, it's been a whirlwind and it was a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate the entire FBAS community. Uh, honestly, you know, it's been tough with no sports, you know, but we keep it trekking in there. You know, the debates are fun on there. They're honestly some of my best part. Steve Q gives some of the hottest takes I've ever seen in any sports like oh quads. group ever. I mean, the takes he drops are honestly insane, but they're a lot of fun and they're a ton to argue on or a ton of fun to argue on. 
if you guys, you know, again, drop your comments, drop your likes, you know, let us know what you want to see and what you want to hear and things like that. Uh, let us know how we can get better because we want to make the listening experience better for you guys. Uh, I know I enjoy this greatly. I know Jesse and Wayne have a great time doing it too. And we just want to say thank you and, you know, shout out some FBAS love. Yeah, rate and review, folks. Rate and review. Yes. Hit that like button. It was my turn last week, so uh, Jesse, you want to kick it to Kenny? Kenny Smith, what time is it? 